Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ag Plus Bio Plus Science podcast, where we talk each week about the convergence of food, agriculture, science, and technology, and the impact it's all having on Indiana, and that impact going forward as well. Our guest on this uh, new episode of the podcast is Jason Lusk. Jason is the Ag Economics Department Head at Purdue University. And Jason, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me on. And welcome to Indiana, because you are a relatively new uh, member of the Purdue faculty, correct? I am. I've been here just over a year, and it's it's been great getting to learn Indiana, uh, being a part of the Hoosier State. Yeah. Well, let's talk, get a little bit of uh, background uh, on you, Jason. You come to Purdue from uh, from an ag school, Oklahoma State University, right? I had. I grew, grew up in the Texas Panhandle and, and uh, spent the last 13 years in Oklahoma. So uh, this is a change. It, the winter was a little rougher than, <laughs> than I'm used to, but it, it's uh, it's been good. What attracted you to this opportunity at Purdue? So I've spent most of my career doing research about mm-hmm. food and agriculture, mainly studying consumer behavior. But uh, for the last five or six years, had been doing a lot more public outreach with regard to really innovation and the yep. need for more science innovation in food and agriculture. And when I looked around out there and I thought, you know, where can I have a big impact? And, yeah. and where is a place that's having an impact in food and agriculture? Really, Purdue is a place. Mm-hmm. And I thought Purdue provided many opportunities to sort of leverage what I was doing and, and make connections and have an impact on a broader stage. And really, I, I, I have not been disappointed. Yeah. Uh, Purdue yeah. has been a fantastic place to be really, to be able to engage with, with policymakers, with agribusinesses, mm-hmm. with stakeholders. And so it's been a great, great move. When you talk about food and science and technology, there's so much going on and so much to talk about. How would you assess where we are when we talk about food and that intersection with science and technology and the issues uh, involved? Well, I think I think we're kind of at a crossroads in many mm-hmm. ways. On the one hand, I think a lot of the popular writing about food and agriculture is sort of pessimistic mm-hmm. with regard, you know, you hear this talk about a broken food system mm-hmm. and, and really a lot of concern about ag technology. So that's sort of on the one hand. But then on the other hand, and probably where I come at this is I think there's a lot of excitement mm-hmm. about what's happening on the science innovation side. And, and, and my perspective is that if, if we really want to make headway on a lot of our big food and ag and environmental challenges, we're going to need ag science and technology. And I think if people knew and understood more about what was happening on that front, there would be a lot more public acceptance. Mm-hmm. You have written uh, several books on your way to becoming the department head uh, at uh, Purdue University. Your most recent, Unnaturally Delicious, How Science and Technology Are Serving Up Superfoods to Save the World. That's that's quite a statement. It is. Well, I'm, part of what I'm trying to do there is reclaim the word, word superfoods. And sometimes, <laughs> you know, it's applied to uh, quinoa and, uh, you know, other ancient <laughs> grains. But... I think really, if we look at the food we have around us every day, it's, it's really awesome. It's super, yeah. and we kind of forget that. We take it for granted. So in that book, what I tried to do is is spend each chapter really taking an innovator or an innovation and talking about it through the eyes of the people that are benefiting from it or for the innov- innovator in, in trying to articulate what problems they're trying to solve. And, and the, the broader attempt here is to try to engender a little bit of, of excitement about mm-hmm. what's happening in the food and ag space. And there's a whole lot of technologies that talk about there, everything from lab-grown meat to, mm-hmm. uh, to precision agriculture mm-hmm. and, um, and synthetic biology and all sorts of other, other, other technologies that are kind of fun and exciting. Yeah. You had uh, a book prior to that that, as we were talking uh, off mic a little while ago, was a little more was argumentative. Would that, that be the right word? That's words? right. So, uh, yeah, in 2013, I published a book called The Food Police. And we're, 
really there, I really took head on this argument that I just mentioned, this sort of mm-hmm. interface between this pessimism about food and agriculture and, and really the attempt by a lot of people to sort of attempt to solve our food problems through regulation, mm-hmm. this idea that somehow farmers don't really know what's in their best interest. And, you know, I, I came at this from a very different perspective that, that farmers are often in the best position and, mm-hmm. and have the greatest interest in their land. Many of these people have been living on their farms for a hundred years. They want to do what's in, uh, what, what will keep their farm going. They can leave it to their kids and grandkids. Mm-hmm. And, and so really trying to make the case again for innovation and science and, and freedom of choice and, and um, entrepreneurship in, in food mm-hmm. and agriculture. As you look at uh, the need to feed the world and the, and the demands and how much food will need to be produced over the next 20 years uh, and doing it on, I think, less, maybe less land and the need for science and technology to, to make that happen. In your view, as you look at Purdue and some of the, the private sector companies and the assets, Agrinovas, that are here in Indiana, how is Indiana, in, in your view, positioned to participate in that, that whole world hunger issue? Well, you mean you hit the nail on the head. This is a big problem, and nobody can do it alone. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to take partnerships. It's going to take relationships, and it's going to take different people doing what they do well. And and you know, at Purdue, what we hope we can do is provide education and and hopefully work on that cutting edge science. Mm -hmm. But if we just keep it in the labs or keep it in the classroom, it doesn't really Mm -hmm. create any value for anybody. And at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, a technology is only worthwhile if some farmers willing to pay for it and put it in their field or some consumers willing to pay for it. And so we, we need those interactions with agribusinesses. Um, and a, a place like Indiana really does bring together both the, the consumer, the farmer, uh, agribusinesses, and the innovation side that really we need to make this work. And, and what we do here in the U.S. really matters. We're a mm-hmm. net exporter of agricultural commodities. Mm-hmm. We, we've heard in the news a lot about tariffs and things these You're days. Right. And that stuff really matters because the policies and the technologies we adopt here in the U.S. do have a big impact on consumers in the rest of the world. In a lot of cases, consumers in some of the most impoverished yeah. places of the world. You say you are a food and agricultural economist who studies what we eat and why we eat it. Um, what things continue to surprise you about the disconnect for consumers and our food system? There, there are a lot of surprising things. One thing I think I will say, though, is is we probably shouldn't be too surprised that most consumers don't know that much about yeah. food and agriculture. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we went from a country a hundred years ago where, you know, 60% of, uh, lived in rural areas to today where it's less than 20%, you know, less than, less mm-hmm. than 2% work on a farm. And, mm-hmm. and, people in agriculture sort of bemoan that fact. And in a lot of ways, it's kind of a blessing that we don't have, most people don't have to know that much about where their mm-hmm. food comes from. They don't have to worry about it. That, that I think, is a, is a real good sign. But the flip side of that is that it does open up people to all kinds of misinformation and and, and challenges. And uh, just to give you one example mm-hmm. of some of the astounding kinds of things that, that consumers may think on a, on a survey several years ago, we this was back in the middle of a debate a couple of years ago about whether we should have mandatory labeling of GMOs, genetic Mm -hmm. modified organisms in food and there were all these surveys going around and the estimates were something like 80 90 percent of people supported mandatory labeling of gmos so i put a question on the survey that asked well would you support mandatory labeling of foods that contain dna also 80 to 90 percent of consumers supported that rather absurd policy because of course anything that was living has dna (laughs) in it so that sort of tells you both the level of depth of a lot of these arguments Mm -hmm. um perhaps also the the need for some more science yeah. education yeah. and it does tell you that a lot of what we see in, in probably in grocery stores and marketing there's not a lot of substance there's some of them there are and there's still legitimate concerns for some of our food systems but um but i do think that it 
we do have to be cautious that a, a lot of what passes as food marketing isn't grounded in mm-hmm. strong science. What are your thoughts on the whole uh, farm-to-table movement? You know, mm-hmm. it seems as though, uh, in that respect, consumers are are getting more interested in where their food comes from and, mm-hmm. and, and buying local, eating local, that, that kind of thing. And it's almost, it has become an economic development tool in communities around the state of Indiana. Your thoughts on that whole movement? Do you anticipate that that will continue? I think so. I mean, it has been growing in popularity mm-hmm. over the last decade or so, and I think it's probably reached a point where it's not novel mm-hmm. <laughs> anymore. Right, right. Um, and I think there's a lot of great things we can say about that movement. It's, it's certainly encouraged restaurants to think more about the quality of their food and, and provided some, some opportunities for entrepreneurs willing mm-hmm. to uh, try new things and make an extra buck. I think those are all really great things uh, in mm-hmm. that side of the food movement. Now, I, I will push back a little bit and say that this this kind of movement is not the savior of our food system that a lot of people make it out to be, that if we really want to make big strides on climate change and um, and in, in in feeding the world's population, this movement can kind of help on the margins, I think. But it, it's, this is mainly a movement that caters to people that can afford to yeah. pay for right. higher quality food. Yeah. Final question. Science and innovation uh, are certainly foundational to the ag biosciences. What more do you think we can collectively do to bridge the divide between consumer and scientist in, uh, in food and ag? Well, hopefully this podcast is doing is a part of that, yeah. <laughs> right. of bridging right. that divide. So I, I appreciate the opportunity to do that. I think really it's those connections, helping people understand what the scientists are working on. Sometimes I think uh, people look at the innovations in our food and science sector with some kind of, you know, as so, some pessimism that's sort of just related to this corporatization mm-hmm. of food and agriculture. But I think if they could see a lot of the innovation that was happening by individual entrepreneurs, by individual scientists in their labs, they would be a lot more excited. And so I think a lot of it is just trying to tell the stories of, of what those innovations are in food and ag. Great perspective. Jason Lusk, the Ag Economics Department head at Purdue University. Great to have you as a part of the Indiana Ag community. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks. Great to be here. And thank you all for listening to another edition of the Ag Plus Bio Plus Science podcast. Each week, we take a look at that convergence of science, technology, agriculture, innovation, and how it all affects Indiana. I'm Gary Dick. We'll see you next time. This podcast is a product of Inside Indiana Business, hosted by Gary Dick. Produced by Libby Fritz and Joe Ullery and was recorded on location at Launch Fishers. More people get Indiana Business News from inside Indiana Business than any other source.